the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Naiman. And now your host, Philip Naiman. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. Hey folks, this is Philip Naiman here with Rob High from CCW Safe. We're having a very special show for you today. Matter of fact, um, this show is so important, we're actually airing it also on my radio show this weekend at the same time. So we want to get this information out to you as early and as seemly and as easy to understand as possible. Joining us here, we have Gary Eastridge. Gary Eastridge and Rob High, both from CCW Safe, the Critical Incident uh, Command Center, basically, if you will. And one of the things today that we want to go over is, are, I should say, what do you do after a critical incident? Now, Rob, maybe you should start with just defining what is a critical incident. Well, for the purposes of what CCW Safe carries, it is a recognized self-defense incident. <clears throat> and it, it's going to involve whatever level of force utilizing a firearm. Um, you know, that. Gary can tell you just as well as I can. We had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of successful uses of a firearm without ever firing a shot. Um, and that could be the case in this insta- instance as well. Um, we have plenty of plenty of folks out there that because of age or physical limitations or um, numbers of attackers, anything else like that, that plays into it where it brings you to that point where your only option, you you don't have an avoidance option in place. I, I can't move away from the threat. I can't vacate. Um, the surrender portion of this or the, the de-escalation portion of this is out of the question. Somebody has to, to display and beyond uh, and actually even make just a uh, verbal notification, you know, step back. I don't want to hurt anybody, but I'm armed. I have a firearm, but we've talked multiple times about, how many people in this world there are that that's, that's not going to deter them from whatever act of evil that they're actively engaged in. But especially if I've displayed that firearm, pointed that firearm or had to discharge that firearm. And if it's something that rises to the level of us bringing critical response team members out there, it's going to be something that results in significant bodily injury or death. 
You, is there something you want to add on that, Gary? I think that's kind of a big, wide open lane. Yeah, that's uh, a critical incident in in general. Is as Rob said, is an incident where somebody uh, has suffered significant injury or death. As far as our post incident guidelines, it, there doesn't have to be injury or death. Uh, you know, there's still uh, criminal. Uh, repercussions for the actions, even if that firearm's not discharged. So it's very important that you establish um, that you are the victim and that uh, you you had to act in a lawfully correct uh, manner because ultimately self-defense is a legal defense to what would otherwise be a crime. I can't strike you. I can't use force against you with certain exceptions, one of them being acting in self-defense. You know, you mentioned a couple of words in there, uh, brandishing and display. What is the difference? Depending on the state, the jurisdiction, uh, most states, brandishing has more of a, uh, in my mind, more of a, a, um, an illegal act connotation to it, whereas display of the firearm is to display the firearm for a certain result. Uh, in many states, to do so without legal justification can result in brandishing uh, charges. In some states, they don't use the term brandishing. They just charge an assault if you display your firearm inappropriately or illegally. So could it be an illegal display of a firearm if somebody, say, is carrying and they lifted up their shirt or moved their shirt or jacket to, you know, show somebody that, in fact, they did have a firearm? Yes, it could. They didn't put their hand on it, but just pulled their shirt back. This is actually our most common claim, as, as Rob can tell you. Uh, our most common claim is where a member uh, perceives a threat, takes the self-defensive actions to address that threat. The threat dissipates, and they immediately uh, the the other party immediately runs and calls nine one ones and nine one one and says some of this crazy man or crazy person just uh, pointed a gun at me. And that's why, uh, you know, we advise members that if it's important enough to to pull your weapon, whatever that weapon may be, it's important enough to make a police report, establish that what you did was legal um, in uh, in the act of self-defense. You know, I did a I did a seminar for the uh, Inland Empire gun gun group here in Southern California. And one of the things we talked about was brandishing. And Rob and I talked about that ahead of time. And it's interesting people's conceptions of what they can do. Because we took a lot of questions from the audience. And, you know, some of the people were older and and you could tell that, you know, they're afraid of getting jacked. You know, you get hit from behind, you fall on the curb. Your your life's never the same from the stupid sucker punch, or let alone anything worse. And you know they were under the uh, under the impression that you would if if a threat was coming toward you, you know, walking towards you, two or three guys, 
that you could pull your firearm at a distance and tell them, stand back, I have a gun. And I was trying to persuade them that may not be the best idea at some points. I mean, that's something that you runs into, right? As, as Rob can tell you from the cases and the claims that we've had, uh, there are, and this is one of the things we struggle when members say, can I pull my gun if this or that happens? Hypothetical questions do not have the details needed. Those details are going to determine if that act was justified. If somebody was at a distance, but they all had baseball bats and they're pointing at you and saying, we're going to get you, we're going to hurt you. Yeah, that may be a justifiable act. But if they're all wearing baseball uniforms and they're carrying their bats over their shoulder and you're just scared, that's probably not a justifiable act. So those details are going to determine. uh, And sometimes, as we've seen in a lot of the high-profile cases, those little subtle details are what make the difference between a a not guilty by self-defense and spending a significant time in prison. How do you, how do you help people understand the difference between a perceived fear and a real threat? Rob? Oh man. Um, Again, as a trainer for the police department, that's something you probably had to do quite a bit. It it is. Um, I remember when I first became a firearms instructor, a question that my dad posed to me was, how do you, how do you teach them when it's okay to shoot? For me, that's always been a very simple, easy to understand answer. And it was when I have no other options at my disposal. That's the biggest thing. There are many times, and as a civilian, I don't have the obligations to plug in and do things that I was sworn to do as a police officer. There were times you get somebody that just doesn't want to go to jail, but we've not done anything to, to escalate to it's an arrestable offense. And There again, it's it's like the things Gary was just touching on, the what ifs and determining factors. There are so many things that go into making that determination on whether or not that's good. You know, and and I, I hate to say it it takes experience because it's not something you want to have a lot of experience in. But let's pick this up on the next segment here because I think this is really important for people to understand that Your feelings may not matter in a court of law. It's going to be the facts of the case and what can be proved, right? So, folks, absolutely. All right, we'll be right back after this. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice, no sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. 
And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, branch manager of Plant Home Lending LLC and host of the main event. Heard weekends right here on AM 590 The Answer. I'm sure by now you've heard interest rates have jumped up over the last few months, but so have home values. So what does that mean to you? If you're carrying a bunch of credit card debt, or you don't have money to pay your tax bill, or just need extra money to fill up your gas tank, now may be the perfect time to do a cash-out refinance to consolidate those bills or get some extra funds in your bank account while your equity is so high before rates get any worse. If you or your spouse are 62 years or older, higher values make reverse mortgages that didn't work before work now. To see how we can make the numbers work for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the Planet Home Lending logo. Ed Hoffman, Retail Branch Manager, NMLS ID 9921, Branch NMLS ID 2275209. Planet Home Lending, LLC, NMLS ID 17022. Planet Home Lending, LLC, is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. AM 590, the answer. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick! That's right, folks. It's Boomstick Radio. This is Philip Naiman, Firing Line Radio Show. And as you know, each week on the Firing Line Radio Show, the conversation revolves around firearms, hunting, and Second Amendment issues. But one of the show's stalwart supporters has always been Vince Torres over at Bullseye Sports Guns and Ammo in Riverside. Vince and his team of experts are second to none in their knowledge and passion for all that this show stands for. If you're not armed for protection or recreation, stop in at Bullseye Sport for small arms, rifles, shotguns, ammos, accessories, and much more. Bullseye Sports stocks all name brands like Beretta, Ruger, Glock, Winchester, and many more. If they don't have it, they'll get it. They welcome all levels of shooting enthusiasts, especially ladies, considering firearms for the first time. Bullseye Sports is the best selection of prices every day. Stop in, mention you heard me, Philip Naiman, on AM 590's Firing Line Radio Show, and talk about Bullseye Sports guns and ammo in Riverside. Near the corner of Brockton and San Simeon Way, hit the bullseye, go see Vince. You know, I, I really do appreciate his support because he makes this radio show happen. And folks, you want to be involved, go see Vince. He'll give you a great deal. Tell him you heard it on the show, and uh, then I'll get a great deal. Hey, folks, welcome back to our podcast here. Philip Naiman with Rob High, CCW Safe, Firing Line Radio Show. We're having a good show here with a... Uh, you know, kind of the the heavy side, the responsibility side of carrying a firearm, and that's knowing when and where um, to use it. Uh, as Rob High just said, summarizing our, our last segment there was when he had no other option. You know, it's not the first option. It's when you have no other option. And Gary was about to make another point here uh, before I cut him off so ruefully there. But um, Gary, why don't you go on with that? You know, we get to ask these questions almost daily, you know, when can I, what, uh, you know, what has to be present before I can take actions? Can I shoot here? Can I not shoot? Well, there's not a handbook. There's not a book that says, okay, if they're nine and a half feet from you, you can't, but if they're nine foot, you can't. There's not a book that says go to chapter 10, uh, paragraph one, 
section C, now you can shoot. It just doesn't exist. On top of that, as you brought up in the in the last segment, I'm 65 years old. So a threat. I, I didn't bring up your age. That, that wasn't a personal okay. thing. Well, it, it's starting to apply. And I have to accept that re, uh, reality that my mobility is not what it used to be. Uh, my vision's not what it used to be. I have limitations that are now can be factored in. Oh, you just had uh, a shoulder surgery too. Just recovering from the, you know, Rob can tell you when you, we get a few miles on us and some of the things we've done in our career, you start paying for it and things start wearing out. And I just spent five months recovering from a, a shoulder surgery. You talk about vulnerable. The, my normal mode of carry was out because uh, my my right arm was immobilized for for over a month, and then I had limited mobility for several months after that. So I had to switch to an alternative method of carry. I liked it, and his alternative method was a single point sling and an SBR. I thought that was a pretty good. <laughs> Well, I had one of those, but I chose not to carry it. I switched to a J frame in my left hand pocket. Luckily, I when I train, I do train some offhand shooting, and and this brings up uh, another point in your in your training regimen. You need to factor in what if I can't use that? What if it's my strong arm is disabled in in a, in a part of the uh, during a part of the um, the, the fight or whatever. And then, you know, all of this is things that you have to take into consideration before you have to start worrying about the post incident. You know, you have the things that are happening right now and how to respond to that. And then you have a whole set of things that you need to do after that, in the days after that, in the weeks after that. And uh, we've got some general guidelines on, on that subject. You know, one of the things you were saying is there's not a, there's not a book that says, okay, if this, then that, I mean, somewhat, but not really, but even if, as we've seen, whenever there's stress in training or stress in an incident, um, if, if there was a rule book that said these, you know, these four things must be present in order to do this. You wouldn't remember what the four things were. You'd say, okay, there's one of them or, or there's three or, or geez, where's the sixth thing? You know, because of the stress involved in that kind of a situation, trying to go through some kind of a checklist is going to be a negative for you. Anyway, you're going to fail. You're either not going to remember it or you're just going to get it wrong. Most people, I mean, don't nobody yeah. trains with that kind of uh, abilities. <laughs> And that's why I believe it's it's important to kind of keep that simple as possible. Uh, you know, uh, some offer very in-depth and detailed response on things to do. There's really about four or five things that you need to con- you need to concern yourself with. But one of the other things you touched on, I believe, in the last uh, uh, section, and one of the things that I highlight in my presentation is perspective. Just because you see things one way, Rob may see it totally different. Uh, Just because since there isn't a book that defines what a reasonable belief or threat is, um, 
you your perception may be that you acted when you had to my perception and the people who may well set on a jury judging your actions their perception may be totally different yeah that's that's absolutely perfect um for the for the context of the information that we want to want to press out today though let's let's address this like something happened to you um carjacking and the guy's got knife bat pole whatever even a firearm that maybe you could get to yours prior to them engaging. Um, there's there's so many things about facing somebody that's armed. And if they are failing to heed verbal warnings and things like that, everything has gone as bad as it can possibly go, and you have to discharge that firearm. Whether you strike them, whether you injure them, whether you mortally wound them, whatever the case may be, our responses, once it goes to that extreme, are the same. It just is. Uh, And the very first thing is to make certain that I'm safe, that my loved ones are safe, that nobody else is under extreme threat at that time. The threat has been concluded one way or the other. They ran away, they they dropped and quit the attack, they're injured, or as I said, they're they're mortally wounded. So step one for us is is establishing that the threat is no longer a threat. And that comes also with making the determination that there's he's not acting in concert with somebody else. So I want to make certain that we've truly come to a, at least a pause in the incident. Um, is there, is there a piece you want to add there, Gary? No, I think that's, you know, establishing that everything is that threat is gone that that threat has been neutralized either by them fleeing or you taking lethal force action. Uh, That's number one is to assess that the threat's gone and you and you, your loved ones, whether they be your friends or your your family are safe. Where would you go next, brother? Uh, You know, the, the, the next step is calling 911. And this is where things have the potential to get tricky. Uh, 911 conversations are not privileged. They can be used against you in the corner. Wait, 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 wait. They can be used against you in a court of law? Absolutely. Or they will be used against you. A lot of people, absolutely. I I don't think I, I, I spent my last seven years in the homicide unit. I don't think I, I, any call that was made by a participant in the incident, we listened to in the court during the prelim and during the uh, trial. 
So it's absolutely admissible. Uh, and there, and there never was a case you didn't do it. So it, it whatever is said, we've talked about this before a lot, uh, Rob and I, and you, uh, whatever said of the nine one one is going to come back, and it's going to come back eighteen months, two years after the fact, after all the news stories have happened, and uh, to to a jury who's had a fat breakfast and a couple of cups of coffee, and they're not worried about anything when they hear your call, right? So that's important factors to think about. Let's take a break right here, and we'll come back right after this. Hi, folks. Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated million dollars for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at CCWSafe.com. AM590, the answer. Spartans, lay down your weapons. Persians, come and get them. Welcome back to the CCW Safe podcast for this next segment. We're, we're doing a co-production today with Fire and Line Radio. Uh, my normal co-host here is Phil Naiman, and my partner in crime, Gary Eastridge, is with us. And we're discussing those issues post-incident, post-critical incident, and how to, how to respond. Obviously, we started with making certain that the threat is no longer a threat in how, whatever regard. And then secondly, to making that 911 call. And Gary was touching on some points about that. And we were getting into kind of into the weeds a little bit about in very significant cases that this call is going to be played in the courtroom. It's going to be played at the preliminary hearing. It's going to be played in front of a jury at jury trial. It's, it's going to be a piece of this packet Something that that a lot of people don't understand is that first reporter, the first person that calls 911 is many, many, many times looked at as the victim in this thing. Now, that can change very quickly depending on evidence at the scene and, and statements from bystanders or witnesses or whatever. And what we would train, because in law enforcement, we've talked about this on other shows, those guys usually are afforded two sleep cycles before they have to give a formal statement because we understand what that trauma response is and and that things are not going to be exactly well thought out. It's it's going to, you know, Incidents get reported out of sequence, and if you don't understand how how trauma responses are, you don't understand that 
that's really a very normal phenomenon. And we, on previous shows, we've touched on the fact that as Gary and I would respond to an officer-involved shooting, we're immediately responding to him or her as the victim in this thing. When we respond to anybody else's shooting, we are strictly there to investigate a crime. So Gary had touched on the point earlier that this, this is a lawful way to do something that anything else, any other deployment of that level of force would be a criminal act. It has to be something that you can prove that this is the reasons why I did it. So the, the, you know, uh, on on that part that you're hitting on right there, let's explain why, because maybe not everybody's heard that. If you about, if you do choose self-defense, what you're really saying in a court of law. Yeah. It's it's an it's what's called an affirmative defense. You're admitting that you took the action. I shot that person. Well, shooting someone is a crime, with certain exceptions. One of those being when acting in self defense. So you have to establish that. But by by it being an affirmative defense, you've just crossed the first threshold that the that a prosecutor has to prove that you're the one responsible for the injury or death of the other person so you've just admitted it so if that jury's perspective is then that you didn't act in self defense now it's back to a criminal uh matter and if they find you guilty there's tremendous consequences and so, and you and you can't you can't plead not guilty and then come back with self defense yeah, I didn't do it, but if I did, I acted in self-defense. Most judges will not allow that uh, in a court of law. Part of the part of the things that that I would personally want out there, whether it's on the nine one one call or to the very first, and actually, I would keep that nine one one call very, very brief, very brief, and. I've been assaulted. I had to defend myself. I shot this guy. He's still here. I need medical response and police. This is my location. This is what I'm wearing. I've secured my firearm. That's really enough. I really don't need to go into the full details of of anything else that, that occurred right then. As Uh, such a critical thing that that's occurred. You're going to see first responders coming in a little heightened. We know that I'm coming to a, a scene where there is at least one gun that's been in play and somebody's been injured to some extent with that firearm. So I don't want to be the guy that, that's sitting there pointing a gun at everybody as the first responders show up. I know how that goes. I know how, how I react to that. I know how almost every cop I've ever been around reacts to that. I don't want to get shot because I had to defend myself. So we're going to take that out of play. Um, 
even then as the investigator, even, well, not investigator is going to be an hour later, but uh, as the patrol guys roll up and they, they see that you're the one and you're telling them, um, I was a victim. He attacked me. Uh, I, I was, I didn't have any other options. I, I wish this had never happened, but I shot him, whatever the case may be. Which is one of the real critical points, too, to where, especially you have to consider you've, you've just experienced the most traumatic thing you probably will ever experience. The average person will go their life and never have that. If they do, one of the, one of the habits that are human, uh, almost a human trait, is you want to <laughs> tell somebody. So it's real easy at that point to just go off and start talking, talking societal ills, everything you think led up to this, politics, whatever. That's not the time. This is the time to express, uh, hey, uh, I'm just I'm too shook up to talk right now. Just the facts, ma'am. Yes, the facts. Unfortunately, people get what my dad used to call constipation of the brain and diarrhea of the mouth. And once they start talking, they can't stop talking. And I can tell you from firsthand experience as a homicide investigator, if I can wind you up and let you start talking, there's been a lot of people talk themselves right into prison. And, and, you know, obviously we're talking about the people who were innocent here and had to defend their lives, but the effect on your body, your adrenaline dump, you know, the fight or flight syndrome, you get so much of that in your bloodstream and then it takes 30 to minutes to an hour to come out. So just about the time everybody starts asking you these questions, I'm sure when you were doing your interviews, you saw this, that person's physically like shaking, you know, their, their body has these little convulsions as it's going back to a normal state and it's very emotional and it's, you know, it's, it's a traumatic event to go that hard into the adrenaline curve. And then as your body works its way back out of it, if you've never seen that or aware of it before, you know, that's, that's when they just want to, they just want to hug you and say, uh, tell you the whole story as an investigator. Right. And, and the other downside to that is as that adrenaline bleeds off and you, you return to that normal state, Anybody that's been in a competitive match can tell you that once that adrenaline bleeds off, you get you you become almost exhausted. And we saw that in one of the cases of a member we defended uh, who was charged with murder following what we believed. And the jury agreed with us was a clear cut self-defense case. Well, by the time they took uh, our member to the uh, to the police station and left him in a room for two hours after being through this super intense three separate attacks incident, he gets in the uh, interview room and almost goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. Law enforcement then talking about perspective, saw that as a sign of look how calm he is. Well, anybody that's been involved in a, an incident can tell you that once that adrenaline bleeds off, you're absolutely exhausted. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. Now, I know that we're we're sitting here talking about limiting my engagement, my communication. There are other things, though, that I do need 
to make known. And Gary can tell you that once we, we show up and work a scene, when we leave, it it's no longer an evidence. It it's just gone. I can't recreate my evidence. I can't recreate my scenes. So let's 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 bring that up on our next segment here, because that's a great point, Rob. We'll be right yeah. back after this, folks. Hi folks, Philip Naiman from Firing Line Radio Show. If you're a concealed handgun carrier or have a firearm to defend your home and are forced to use your weapon for self-defense or the protection of a loved one, you'll be glad to have CCW Safe on your side. CCW Safe provides and pays 100% upfront defense funds for high-quality attorneys, expert witnesses, and the investigators you need following a critical incident with no reimbursement. And they do it all for one flat yearly fee starting at $179 a year. CCW Safe has permit and non-permit plans to protect California residents in this state and while traveling across the country. So check out their new ultimate plan with no caps on criminal and civil defense, $1 million for bond coverage, a dedicated $1 million for civil liability, and many other benefits. You defend your life. CCW Safe will defend your freedom and financial future. In California, CCW Safe has got you covered. So join now at ccwsafe.com. I'd like to introduce you to a new sponsor to the show, Sean Gibbs of Ask Defensive Training Company. They're in Redlands, California. They also sell guns and ammo. But the most important thing that they have for you here today is their training courses. Ask, kind of an interesting name. Why would you call it that for guns and ammo? Well, Ask stands for Attitude, Skills, and Knowledge. And that's what they focus on at Ask Defensive Training. Sean has basic courses for a first-time gun buyer. If you're not familiar with your firearm, you want to be able to use it safely, perfect place for that. He has also additional courses for defensive handgun, advanced handgun, and even learning how to shoot a firearm in low-light situations. Bring your mag light. So folks, check them out at askdefensive.com, A-S-K, defensive.com for a schedule of classes. He's got a great store in there too, so buy what you want, train what you want, askdefensive.com. AM 590, the answer. Yes! Great hunter. Yes? Yes. Fine figure of a man, yes? Yes? Yes. That is all you need to know for now. Welcome back. As we were cutting away to break, we were talking about uh, things that can't be recreated. Uh, Evidence is one of those. If I don't identify certain things that are present at the time that the officers are, they may not comprehend the value of what what that stuff was. So, Gary... um, You've been involved. Mm-hmm. You have a guy that is deceased. Law enforcement shows up. You've given just the bare minimum. This is who I am. This happened to me. I had to defend myself. Are you finished? No, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it, I encourage, there's some, there's some line of thought that says absolutely say nothing to law enforcement. I think that changes and shifts that perspective. Uh, what I'm going to want to do is express my willingness to cooperate. Uh, what Rob's touching on there is what we call in law enforcement a public safety uh, statement. And that is 
things that are will be pertinent to that investigator and the evidence technicians that they may miss if I don't tell it. Uh, if that person threw their weapon and it went into some shrubberies 15 yards away, I'm going to say uh, he threw his weapon over there. I think it went in those shrubs. I'm also going to let law enforcement know it was just him or it was him and four others. They ran that direction. They ran down that street. Uh, just those little things. Uh, you're now establishing that you're the victim, but the trick, or the, I shouldn't say trick because it's not a trick. The balance is to not go into detail while you're in that very heightened traumatic state. Uh, express that cooperation when they naturally the officers, if you answer any question, they're going to ask more questions and there you have to politely and keeping things focused on you as a victim express to them. I'm just, I'm too shook up. I need my representation. I need to uh, relax, which may, or I say may, it, it very well could end up you being detained for an evening or two. Well, and one of the surefire ways to get yourself detained is Gary's the the responding officer, and I'm standing there giving this this safety statement, and then he says, "Well, what else can you tell me about? You know, what started this? Anything else?" And all of a sudden, I just go, I'm "Not saying another word till my attorney's here." Hmm. What what's probably your next step there, Gary? The bracelets. Yeah. I'm unless you... the evidence is compelling. Yes. Unless there's a witness who can say, yeah, I saw that person attack Rob. Uh, all I have to go on is the fact that I have a person who is shot and a person with a gun who says, I'm not telling you what happened. So here's here's a situation because I'm speaking as a civilian who's one of your clients, right? The CCW carriers nationwide are like the best, the, the most law abiding, right? They don't realize that as an officer, every single person you talk to is lying to you the entire shift. You haven't heard one truthful thing the entire day. So although they're standing there telling you the truth, they don't understand why, why aren't you believing me? Because you've been shellacked. Mm-hmm. 10 coats thick with lies all day long and you, you can't sort them out. You're going to have to take them downtown with his attorney. They can sort it out there because there's no, there's just too much stuff that happens on the streets. I know, I know plenty of attorneys that will tell me that, that my client's not making any statements. Um, man, I, that's a, that's a red flag for me. I, I you know, at least let's, Let's work this out and give me a time that we can get together and talk with you being present. I never had any issue with an attorney being present in an interview. Not ever. People think that's a deal. There may be somebody I didn't care for on a personal term, but as far as the business end of things, they were doing their job and I was doing mine. Now, Gary put it really really nice earlier when he was talking about I, I this happened to me these are the things involving this he threw the gun over there um 
I think I should stop now. I'm I'm really really shaken up. I'm I'm having just this huge adrenaline dump. And I'm telling you, you don't got to tell them that, but it's one of those that I am I am really not thinking very clearly right now. I'm really I'm really very emotional over this, and just for my own protection, I I I want to. Oh, looks like we just skipped out here. Um, what he was saying is he wanted to be able to protect himself and not to just get the same protections that a police officer would get, which is two sleep cycles. Two sleep cycles are able to uh, have before they actually have to go in and do their in. And we're going to go in and the officers, the, the investigator says, yeah, not a problem. You do your thing. Um, he gives his business card to the attorney or gives it to me and says, give, give this to my attorney, have him call me. We'll set up a, a time to make a statement and, and go over this. So beyond that, there's still things that I want to be very, very protective of. And that's still my story. You know, it's, it's one thing Gary and I work side by side every single day and unless he's actually involved working, working my incident, it's not the time for me to go, dude, you won't believe what happened to me yesterday. Keep that to yourself. That includes family. Um, I really need to, to lock myself in a bubble until that interview has been conducted and we've gone over everything. And even at that, I don't want to get a whole lot of things out there. We all know we've seen the, We've seen the little tests where you start on this end of a, of a classroom and somebody whispers in the first guy's ears and gives him a little, a little blurb. And he has the requirement to pass it all the way down to the other end and how jumbled and distorted that becomes by the time it's gone around a classroom. And, and those people and those people that don't understand the Fifth Amendment don't realize that if you're talking, there are only a handful of privileged conversations. Your your attorney, uh, your spiritual guide, uh, uh, spiritual. What am I trying to say? Mentor, and and your spouse. If you tell your brother what happened, you've just made your brother a witness. Yes. And your brother can be uh, subpoenaed to court. And unlike you, your brother can be forced to say what you told him. Yes. Uh, that that Fifth Amendment is strictly for you, uh, and it, it doesn't extend to witnesses. Yeah, absolutely. The next the next thing I would I would do on that is is really strongly encourage you to avoid the media. Um, I, I'd turn off the news. I would limit my, my social interactions. I don't, I want to keep, that's when I want to bring my bubble in. Close your Facebook page. Yeah. And, and that's exactly where we were going is, um, shut down all of your social media stuff and don't look at it. You're going to get so spun up over the, the things that idiots out there are saying about what they think you've done. And there's nothing in it except for heartache. 
you know, it's just, it's just going to wear you out because it's like, holy crap, Phil said this. And, and he knows I'm not that kind of guy. It, you don't know how this stuff is going to blow up. And rumors are just that, and they're vicious. There's nothing good that comes from them. So just shut that stuff down. You got to, you got to do those things for, for self-protection. There are so many things that can be done. Um, even pre-incident, you know, Gary and I have spoken on this before, you know, there's all kinds of little cutesy memes out there and you, you get the guys, uh, we get comments all the time on our newsletters or podcasts or whatever, where somebody's like, I'd rather be carried by, you know, or I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by six. I'd rather not have any of it come up. I'd rather just walk away freely and be, healthy and whole and happy and, and live my life. And that's, that's, that's the way we've got to be folks. I want to thank my special guests, Rob high and uh, uh, Gary Eastridge, CCW safe. Uh, They're the best people to have on your team, but I hope you never have to meet them. So have a great week and we'll be, we'll be back next week. Shoot Felipe. Shoot. When you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Have questions about handgun safety, local sports shooting events, or your Second Amendment rights? Just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Get practical advice. No sales pitch. Vince is a straight shooter when it comes to sharing his advice and years of gun experience. Whether you're a seasoned gun owner or a newcomer, at Bullseye Sport, they welcome everyone, especially ladies considering a firearm for the first time. When they go to our store, we want to give them something that they're going to feel comfortable with. And if you're looking to purchase a gun, ammo, or accessories... If we don't have it, we will get it for you. For all the answers to your rifle and handgun questions, just ask Vince at Bullseye Sport. 951-823-0211. Bullseye Sport in Riverside. Proud sponsor of the Firing Line Gun Show, Saturdays at 1 p.m. on AM 590. Follow Bullseye Sport on Facebook for your inventory updates or call 951-823-0211. 951-823-0211. AM 590, the answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.